Thank you for listening to this podcast that is part of a series dedicated to the Outlook event. My name is Marije Groen and in today's episode, the pandemic did not result in a deep economic crisis. Economies recovered and indices broke records in 2021. But as inflation rises and rumors about tapering get more consistent, assets are running away from bonds. Against the consensus, my guest of today, Guillermo Felices, wrote positively about the outlook for fixed income in PGIM's latest forecasts. Now we'll talk about his motivations for this positive view along topics such as inflation, government stimulus and monetary policy. Guillermo Felices is principal and global investment strategist at PGIM Fixed Income. A very warm welcome to you, Guillermo. Wonderful to have you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Now, Guillermo, in your in your most recent fixed income outlook, PGIM expects uh, economic growth to continue. Are are you still equally optimistic? Yes, we're still optimistic. Uh, we expect growth to remain strong and above trend in most major economies in 2022, uh, notably in the US and in the euro area. Um, to give you an idea relative to our forecast for 2021, um, these are, are likely to be softer numbers, but we're still expecting solid growth of something like 4.5% in the US, 4.2% in the euro area. Um, so again, you know, solid, uh, solid recovery. And we expect the, the the driver of this recovery to be demand. So demand conditions are supported by higher incomes, um, by household savings, by business investment. And we expect the supply bottlenecks that we've seen so far to ease somewhat. And that should also help the recovery. Perhaps the, the, the major economy where we're not seeing um, such a bright prospect is in, the, in, in China. So in China, we're expecting growth of 4.5%. So that's uh, a bit below consensus. And the reasons are basically that we see strains in the property market and also a regulatory crackdown and that is uh, affecting some sectors of the economy. Right. Would you say, Guillermo, that bonds still are a safe haven or, or should we judge them differently? Yes, so, so U.S. Treasury bonds have traditionally been considered a safe haven, and that's because they tend to be in high demand in periods of market stress. In these periods, uh, bonds typically benefit from monetary policy easing and also from a flight to the liquidity and, 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 the, and the quality of these bonds. Um, now, that's, uh, that's uh, probably a bit different now because one has to admit that we're uh, entering a more challenging phase um, as, as this defensive property is usually tested uh, when the source of the shock or the stress um, is actually higher interest rates. Um, this typically happens when the Fed embarks on a tightening cycle. And that's exactly what, what we just saw this week. So the Fed announced uh, its tapering plans uh, to start very soon. So we're entering that tricky transition now. Right, right. Because indeed, optimism was based or is based on, on those low interest rates. Uh, and now that the rates are rising, will do you think that your optimism might switch uh, to pessimism? I would say not not yet. I would make two points here. So, so first, higher interest rates are not necessarily a bad thing for the economy or risky assets, especially if they are supported by uh, robust economic growth, which is what we expect. And second, uh, even though we expect them to rise... 
uh, we don't think that they are likely to rise um, a lot further from here. I mean, this is due to the forces of secular stagnation that we have mentioned previously, uh, like demographics, innovation, technology, high debt, um, etc. Um, this is likely to introduce more volatility into the market and, and rates markets in particular, uh, but we don't think that's enough to make a switch uh, to the pessimistic camp. Right. Um, now, inflation is is high. Uh, currently, the United States inflation is at 5%. Uh, in Europe, it's about 3.5%. And there's a debate about the causes of the inflation and, and whether it's temporary or not. Do you see inflationary forces uh, as temporary, Guillermo? So we think the, the rise in inflation that we've seen in developed uh, economies will ultimately be temporary. Um, there are both uh, supply and demand elements uh, behind this. Um, the recovery in demand, for example, uh, has been very strong given the combination of, of the economic reopening that we've seen post-pandemic and, uh, and, of course, the policy stimulus uh, that was um, enacted during uh, the COVID crisis. And looking ahead, uh, demand should normalize as, as policy stimulus is withdrawn and as demand for durable goods eases, for example. Um, supply is also playing a big role. So manufacturing output, uh, commodities and labor supply um, cannot keep up with demand. So we're seeing um, supply uh, chain disruptions there. Uh, but we, th we also think they should normalize over time and that should help inflation come down. Mm. The, the United Nations calculated that the energy transition will cost, say, about five to seven billion dollars uh, annually. Do you think that the energy transition will stimulate long term inflation as a result of that? Yes, it's a tricky balance. So the transition to clean uh, energy should put pressure on inflation, I would say, in the, in the short to medium term, as the recovery in demand meets an energy sector where supply will be more constrained um, as investments in, in hydrocarbons are going to be more limited. But longer term, uh, we think those price pressures um, should actually create incentives for cleaner energy. And uh, along with the commitment of governments to, to green energy, that should facilitate a transition to, to green energy. So all in all, that should help to reduce inflationary pressures over the long term. So, Guillermo, I'd like to talk a bit more with you about monetary uh, policy and about governmental uh, support, because last Wednesday, the Fed announced that it will start tapering its uh, support. What will be the short and long term effects of this on financial markets, you think? So the Fed managed to, to strike a nice balance between uh, not deviating drastically from the transitory inflation assessment while sticking uh, with their patient approach uh, to lift off. Um, as a result, uh, U.S. Treasury yields have remained uh, broadly stable and risky assets are still in a, in a very good footing. Um, Fed tapering um, has been well telegraphed, though, uh, and it hasn't really upset markets as it did in 2013. Longer term, uh, the challenge for markets is the path for uh, rate hikes. And in the current environment of high uncertainty over inflation and, uh, and over growth, Um, it's likely that volatility will increase. Um, but we see that as a source of opportunity rather than pessimism. Right. And, and do you expect the EU and Japan to follow the Fed? Um, so we would expect them to, to be even more patient than the Fed. Mm. So they don't have an inflation problem and, and they will probably lean on the side of more prolonged stimulus uh, to make sure that inflation expectations get re-anchored. Um, or to put it differently, for the, for the ECB to follow the Fed, they would need to re-anchor inflation expectations to its new 2% target. And only then 
they could see policy normalize more quickly and, and try to um, basically, uh, you know, catch up with the Fed. Hmm. Now, government stimulus has has kept economies running uh, and this support will gradually stop. How do you expect, Guillermo, that to affect uh, bankruptcies? Yes, a notable uh, feature of this downturn has been uh, the very low rate of bankruptcies uh, due to the extraordinary government support. Um, As economies reopen and recover, uh, we would expect to see some increase in corporate failures. I think that's that's natural. But so long as viable firms uh, are not affected uh, so much and workers that lose their jobs can be later reabsorbed, um, then a bit of creative destruction um, of less productive firms can actually be healthy for, for economic growth. Right. Uh, the, the IMF, the, the International Monetary Fund, warns for postponed defaults, especially in the Eurozone. Doesn't this create sort of a fake sense of security? Yeah, it was absolutely critical for governments to provide support uh, to businesses during the lockdowns. Uh, and this was, of course, in order to to stop um, a damaging economic downward spiral um, in which, you know, firms went under. Um, a supporting factor this time around, though, is the fact that um, European banks, for example, um, entered into this crisis with much stronger buffers um, due to much better regulation. And the key lesson, I, I would say, is that uh, good policy is vital for economies to be able to weather uh, unprecedented shocks. So as, uh, as the global economy reopens, uh, we need to maintain vigilance um, and ensure that good policy measures are, are put in place uh, you know, to manage the unexpected. Right. And and when we translate uh, that to the short-term outlook, uh, I can imagine it might be slightly different. Research is showing that investors are running away from bonds to, to cash. Do you think that's a wise decision? Yes, I, I don't think so. I mean, there, there's clearly fear out there um, and, and cash uh, could make sense, you know, if if we're facing, you know, an, an environment of, uh, of stagflation, for example, that is, you know, inflation and recession fears combined. Um, the markets are, are clearly worried about this environment, but that's not our base case. Our base case is for moderation in growth and inflation. And that means that bonds uh, should still offer very interesting returns um, over the medium term. Okay. Um, maybe as a final question to, to wrap up this uh, this podcast interview, uh, where do you think, Guillermo, that uh, bond investors can still find yield? Yes, that's a great question. So so yields are low uh, for sure, but there's still plenty of opportunities to, to find uh, decent yield out there. Uh, the key question in my mind is is whether those uh, those yields give you enough compensation for the risk uh, that we're taking. And given our views of growth and inflation um, shifting to a more moderate environment, we see value at the long end of, of the U.S. sovereign curve, for example. U.S. rates are very interesting here because um, they offer yields that are materially higher than in other developed markets. And, and even in credit markets, uh, you know, there's still you know, interesting yields um, that are typically um, likely to compress in an environment of moderate economic recovery. And finally, I would add that in, in emerging markets, there's also very interesting uh, yields, um, much higher than in developed uh, markets. And we know that part of the reason is that there's risks that are engulfing um, the emerging market as a class at the moment. Uh, we mentioned China before. Um, 
and inflation challenges. Um, but these are likely to ease in our view into next year, and, and that should help unlock value in EM hard currency debt and local debt. Okay, Guillermo, thank you very much for your time and thank you for being here with me today. Thank you very much, my pleasure. I would like to thank Guillermo Felices for his time and his insights. This podcast is offered to you by PGIM Investments. It was recorded as part of a series dedicated to the Outlook event 2021. For more podcasts, please visit fondsnews.nl forward slash events forward slash Outlook 2022. And if you'd like to know more about PGIM Fixed Incomes Outlook in 2022 and beyond, please visit pgimfunds.com. For professional investors only, all investments involve risk, including the possible loss of capital. The views expressed by PGIM is not intended to constitute investment advice, were accurate at the time of recording and are subject to change. References to specific securities and their issuers are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. In the United Kingdom, this is a financial promotion issued by PGIM Limited. PGIM Limited is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority of the United Kingdom with firm reference number 193418. In the European Economic Area, this is a financial promotion issued by PGIM Netherlands BV. PGIM Netherlands BV is authorized by the Autoritate Financial Markten, AFM, in the Netherlands with registration number 15003620 and operates on the basis of a European passport. Prudential Financial Inc. of the United States is not affiliated in any manner with Prudential PLC Incorporated in the United Kingdom, or with Prudential Assurance Company, a subsidiary of M&G PLC Incorporated in the United Kingdom.